Hello, Miami Marlins fans, and welcome to another episode, a special Thanksgiving edition of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, and I'm joined as always by Craig Mish. Craig, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening, and we continue on with the Swings and Mishes podcast. I thought at some point, like Thanksgiving, would be a good time to take a break. Instead, here we are again. There's always some news. The Marlins are rebranding. They got the 40-man. I think they'll have their coaches set next week. We'll probably have a JT Real Muto trade at some point in the next month. So we just keep pressing on with this, and then hopefully come uh, real holiday time, uh, we'll, we'll take a break. But look, as long as there's news to talk about and as long as people are downloading and, and people are commenting to us mm-hmm. and, and subscribing and liking and doing all the things that people are doing, we're going to continue on. So looking forward to another healthy off season in terms of moves. We appreciate all of you guys that uh, are listening and, and participating with us on social media and all of that. It, it, it's been a, a pleasure to see all of that going on. Uh, but we'll get right to the news for the Marlins. Uh, yesterday, a bunch of moves made in terms of the 40-man roster. Uh, selected contracts included Isan Diaz, Jorge Guzman, Monte Harrison, Jordan Holloway, Kyle Keller, Jose Quijada, and Jordan Yamamoto. While they designated for assignment, Braxton Lee, Ben Meyer, and Dylan Peters, uh, recognizable names there. And then later on in the day, uh, the Marlins sent out that they had acquired Nick Anderson, the right-handed pitcher from Minnesota, in exchange for Brian Shales, which left Derek Dietrich as the lone man out. He was designated for assignment uh, to make move on the 40-man roster for Anderson. Um, you pointed out on Twitter that means JT Rumuto is the longest-tenured Marlin. Uh, and I'm just wondering your initial thoughts on all of those moves made by the Marlins yesterday. Yeah, well, first of all, we'll start by noting that this is, you know, some obvious moves being made by the Marlins, adding the players that were in the Yelich trade, uh, including Diaz, Yamamoto, and Harrison, who I think all could be contributors to the Marlins as soon as 2019. I would not expect any of them to be on the opening day roster, but all of them have had some bright spots to the point where there is optimism and hopefully with a good couple of months starting off the season, wherever they are, double A AA or triple A, most likely triple A, uh, then we will see them in the big leagues at some point in the summer, 2019. Uh, also, when you take a look at some of the other names that they added, uh, it's interesting that they made a trade that acquired a pitcher uh, named Rick Anderson, uh, Nick Anderson, excuse me, mm-hmm. from the Minnesota Twins who I really don't know a lot about, but the Marlins seem to like him. And I could tell you that advanced metrics go into a lot of what the Marlins are doing in terms of their scouting. My guess is if we dive deeper into Anderson, we would see some spin rate stuff or things that would point to him being someone with upside. And similar to Yamamoto, right. I believe how that's the, how the Marlins chose to put Yamamoto in the deal was not necessarily seeing him a lot, but looking at some of the advanced metrics there. So curious to see how that will work out with Anderson to see if that was just an analytical play or if they do like him as well. Uh, so those are all guys, no, no real big surprises there. I, I think the surprise comes a little bit perhaps with who they uh, parted ways with. And mm-hmm. clearly Dylan Peters to me is the one that I think will gain some interest around the league because he's a left-handed pitcher and he has shown signs previously of, of being somewhat of a viable starter or bullpen arm. I believe some team will try and take him on and, and work out something to the point where they can uh, have him on their big league roster all season next year. Uh, I, I don't know what the future holds for Braxton Lee. I can tell you that I got to know him a lot during spring training of last year. I was very impressed. He was a defensive player of the year in the minors. 
Uh, so, and I think that injuries really played a factor in his season last year. Do I think Braxton Lee's is ever going to uh, win an MVP in the American League or National League? No, probably not. But he has a role in the big leagues. He will find one. He works very hard. Uh, this is a very passionate, hardworking kid that just had some string of bad luck injuries, I think, this year. And I think that he'll end up with some team either as a starting outfielder or a fourth outfielder somewhere else in the big leagues. But he'll probably have to work his way back from the minors. But I do want to mention that about Braxton Lee, who I do like a lot uh, as a person. And then, of course, with the trade for Anderson from the Twins, that meant somebody had to go. And I thought, honestly, that earlier in the day, I was wondering if they were going to make that move with Dietrich in the first round of moves. And they did not. And then the news came down late last night with uh, the Marlins announcing that he was going to be let go, designated for assignment. So, Jeremy, here's the deal. Uh, Players like Derek Dietrich, who are pretty good offensively, too good offensively with the bat, but aren't as good defensively, don't have strong roles in Major League Baseball. You saw last year what the Rays did with Corey Dickerson. They just basically gave him away to the Pirates, and Dickerson had a great first half. He was an all-star for them. The Rays just did something similarly with C.J. Cron, who had 30 home runs for them last year. He has no role with the team. The Marlins are looking for athletic players, players who play good defense, that can work all of them all the way around the diamond, play different positions potentially with speed, athleticism. And unfortunately for Dietrich, that doesn't factor in. Will Dietrich still have a solid big league career? Yes, it'll have to be in the American League. He'll probably have to be a platoon player, mostly against right-handed pitching. And there's nothing wrong with that. Being a big league player is a tremendous, tremendous honor. And I know that Dietrich takes it very seriously. Uh, unfortunately, he is kind of one of the last men standing from the old regime and going way back, uh, you know, five years ago. And I wish him nothing but the best. He just simply doesn't fit into the current plans with the Marlins or even the, uh, the long-term plans with the Marlins. So I'm not surprised by this. They were not going to go to arbitration and pay him millions of dollars when they could find somebody else that, that fits more into their plans. So, Jeremy, I would look for the Marlins to uh, inevitably probably have to let him go and some American League team will take a shot on him. No, no different to me, honestly, than Justin Bohr. Justin Bohr will right. get a job also with a big league team in the American League somewhere. And, um, you know, it's just kind of the way that things work. It's just crazy to think that within a year, you know, so many different players have come and gone from this franchise. And I, and I think they're headed in the right direction with all of these. But it, I can understand is from a fan's perspective, you, you get used to seeing the same names on the back of the jerseys. And you just naturally assume that those players are part of the future. And in right. reality, they are not. Right. Yeah. All of the moves that were made are such a sign toward the future and all about all of the players that were traded for within this regime. And, and it's seeing like those guys are getting squeezed out. The one guy that you mentioned that really none of these moves were shocking, but the, the, the guy that I was upset to see squeezed out was Dylan Peters as well. I, I think that guy could be a legitimate major league starter at some point in his career. Maybe, maybe it takes a couple of years. Maybe he is more of a reliever, but you know, he showed flashes when he first came up with the Marlins a couple years back and, and last year was obviously very up and down. So, you know, for me, I do look forward to seeing where he ends up and, and what his role will be in the major leagues. Um, and then obviously Dietrich will end up somewhere and contribute to, to some winning baseball. You know, he's a, he's a solid player. Um, but as Dietrich leaves, uh, that leaves, as, as we mentioned off the top, and as you mentioned on Twitter, JT Rumuto. He's, he's the last man standing uh, and seemingly from the old regime of the Miami Marlins, uh, and he is sort of the face of what's left from that regime. All the rebranding has been wiping away the old regime, and 
I just I wonder where things are at in terms of what you're thinking about JT Romuto at, at this very moment as we approach this sort of uh, long weekend. Yeah, it's, it's a day-to-day thing right now, and I'm trying to stay on top of the news just like everybody else is, and I have my people and my sources just like everybody else does, and we're all trying to follow this story and inevitably trying to break the story as to what inevitably may or may not happen. So this week is Thanksgiving, Jeremy, and I would not expect a lot to happen this week. But I will say that in the coming weeks, I think this will really heat up. I do think inevitably they will trade him. Uh, At this point, I don't know where. Of course, if you follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, I have the the percentage tracker going. I will continue (laughs) to do that for fun. I know a lot of people like that last year, so I brought it back for this year. My update this week was I upped. Uh, Houston a little bit to be even with the Braves. I added the Cubs, I think, um, and that, and I removed the Nationals now that they signed uh, Kurt Suzuki. So uh, just kind of touching base on that a little bit. I think Joe Frazaro mentioned it, and also Ken Rosenthal mentioned it last night. I did not, so I'll comment on their comments about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, that was the team that has been mentioned now from a couple of different places. There was also a reporter in Los Angeles on a local radio station there that mentioned it as well. Uh, here, here is what I know about the Dodgers for them to be in the mix. Uh, I'm not really sure why there is, and I've tried to get some sort of clarification on this, but from what I was told last year, the Marlins just simply don't have a great working relationship with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm not sure why. I haven't had anybody be able to tell me why, but that was something that I had heard from one of my sources going back to the Stanton deal last year. And, Jeremy, if you look back historically over the last few years, the Marlins have made trades with like 20-something teams in the big leagues and have made moves, and the Dodgers are not one of them. So uh, I, I don't know where that stands. Maybe, again, this is just something that I had heard and I had reported a couple of times, maybe that's not the case anymore, but there definitely was something there uh, in terms of trust issues, or I'm not exactly sure. I wish I knew, but I feel like I should at least mention that here, because there definitely would have to be some, some fixing of that in order for that deal to happen. And, and I think that if you go back and look at transactions and trades over the last two years or three years, you won't see anything between Miami and LA, which is interesting because they did have that one big deal with uh, Dan Heron Mm-hmm. And uh, and Latos and they of course they previously had to deal with D Gordon so there there was there were good things going on in the past I just don't know what's gone on in the last couple of years and then of course the other part of this is that and I was the first one to report this but it is interesting to me that now everyone else has kind of reported it also about how the Marlins prefer not to trade JT within the division and I've really struggled with this one and and even though I was the one to, one to report it first I. I in thinking about it more, Jeremy, I just don't really fully understand this one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they flirted with Robles last year. He's in the NL East. If they're going to get that kind of package back in return, an elite player, and if it happens to be the Braves and they would choose not to go that route and take a lesser deal with another team. It doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know that that's the right way to, to go about doing this. And you would also have to ask yourself from the Braves perspective, look who they would possibly be trading if they were to up that ante and trade maybe two of their top 10 guys or 20 guys, the Braves would probably have to be concerned with the same thing. Hey, look, we're going to have to face off 
with the Marlins, they, these guys could end up beating us too. So, look, I know JT's on a different level than those other players, but I just hope that in the end that when they do trade him, and I believe they will soon, I, I, I hope that they get the very best deal possible and it wasn't a matter of having to look at him over and over again. And, Jeremy, the more I've thought this through, I'm just kind of on the, on the boat of or on the, on the opinion of you get the best players possible in this deal and the end. There's, there's just nothing uh-huh. else to talk about. And if the Braves pose the, the best deal, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't do that. He'll be a free agent in two years. There's no guarantee that he would even re-sign with Atlanta. And to my knowledge, none of the deals as of yet, or at least have been discussed where as part of this, an extension is in play. I haven't heard that. So maybe he ends up being a free agent in two years. Who's to say that he goes, he starts with Atlanta and he doesn't go to the angels in two years. And then what the Marlins wouldn't take a deal. And then he's gone. I don't know that you can predict any of the future. And maybe this is posturing. Maybe it's not. I, I believe the Marlins with what they're saying in terms of preference. I just wonder in the end, is it going to be the best deal or is it going to be such an emphasis on him not playing in the NL East? I don't know the answer to that, but we'll just have to wait and see. Right. Is it best or most convenient? Because you certainly don't want to play against JT Ramuto, but seemingly it would make the most sense just to make your team and organization the best it can be without worrying about anybody else. If you're, if you're following this mold in terms of this build and you think you're going to get to the point of contention, then do what you have to do to get the best players possible in return, not just, all right, well, we don't really want to play against JT. It, it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, as you just mentioned. I am, I am intrigued. If- I, 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 get, I get them not wanting to play against him. Like, I think that does make sense. But right. then in the, in, on the same hand, if the Braves – this is never going to happen in a million years, so put this out of your mind. But if the Braves, <laughs> but if the Braves called and said, okay, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll send you a Cunha. You know, and right. what the Marlins going to say no? Oh, right. Same division. So there is, I mean, come on. There, there's some sort of gamesmanship here, and there has to be. It just mm-hmm. doesn't add up. And again, if Victor Robles or Juan Soto were part of the deal last year and, and they could have worked something out, I think that JT would have ended up in Washington. It was very clear that there was a possibility of that happening. So why all of a sudden now is this an issue? I, I'm not really all that sure. And, and I don't think the Marlins window to win is in 2019 and maybe not 2020. And if Atlanta has the best offer on the table and it's overwhelming, I would assume the Marlins would have to seriously consider that. Now, look, Houston may end up with it. It may be another team as well. As, you know, you know, Ken Rosenthal last night said the Dodgers, and Joe said, uh, Frazara said that in the past too. Maybe that's the deal that it ends up being. But Boy, I mean, I have not heard – I mean, I, and my feeling is in terms of the names that could possibly be added from L.A. as opposed to Atlanta and even Houston, if they're not willing up to give up Kyle Tucker, it will not be Forrest Whitley, so eliminate that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not Kyle Tucker, then Atlanta comes back and, and has these type of players like a Wright or an Ian Anderson or Pache or some of these players that are being discussed. It may not even happen. Boy, I would be really disappointed if, if a lesser deal was taken just to move him out of the division. I, I don't know about this one. We'll have to see. Agreed completely. Uh, let me just ask really quick. You did add the Cubs. Is that just because the Cubs are the Cubs? Or is um, there any momentum? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that I would not be surprised to see the Cubs uh, be aggressive on this one. I'm not sure how they really feel about their catching situation. And time will have to tell there. And it's basically where you start to hear Jeremy rumors and sources and different situations. And I have to adjust and add to that. 
which is why I put the Cubs there. As time goes by, if I get any more of a legitimate sense that there's a match there, then I certainly would expand on that. But it just comes down to I'm constantly checking around the league with different people that I know, with different teams that I know, and different sources. And I'm pretty well dialed in on about you know 20 to 25 teams. There's just some teams that I don't have anything with and I, and I won't get. Uh, but this is just one of those that I kind of looked a little bit deeper into without any real information and thought maybe there would be some sort of match there. The problem with the Cubs is that their farm system is not particularly deep. Their mm-hmm. top pitcher in their organization, I don't know how the Marlins would feel about him. He's not a very he's their top pitcher, but he's not really one of the top 25 or 30 guys in Major League Baseball. And then the, and then the Cubs obviously would have to feel that they are all in on on moving away from Wilson Contreras, and I'm not sure that that's the case yet, but that is really the key to this. If I find more about that, then I certainly will dive more into it at that time, but I did put the Cubs in there. And as of now, I'm going to just keep that thing the same. I understand um, my percentage is the same. I understand that with this big cloud being that they won't trade him within the division, then the question should be asked, well, Craig, why do you still have the Braves as the leader tied with Houston? It's just because in my heart, I, I, I do not believe that if the Marlins and the Braves have the best deal combined to put this together, the Marlins would just say, no, nah, we're not doing it. We're not sending him to the Braves because we don't want to see him anymore. There's just something about that that I can't move on from. Maybe I will soon. Maybe I'll hear something in a week mm-hmm. or two that has another team move up and I'll move the Braves down. But as of now, I'm going to keep those two teams even for the time being. Well, you know, we will have uh, the most coverage of the JT Romuto sweepstakes, whether that's from listening to our podcast or following Craig on Twitter at Craig Mish, following us on Twitter at Swings and Mishes. Uh, we will have you up to date on the JT Romuto sweepstakes and the seemingly never ending Marlins moves and news uh, as we go through and head toward the winter meeting. So, Craig, thank you for joining me for another episode here. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Thank you to everybody for supporting the podcast. Don't forget to like, download, and subscribe uh, all the Five Reasons podcasts, including this one, Swings and Mishes. And, and I assure you, as Jeremy mentioned, from now leading all the way through up the winter meetings in Las Vegas, which I'm planning on being at, we will cover not just JT Romuto, but also all the stories that the Marlins are involved in and lots of interviews, and I promise the next couple of weeks a lot more really good stuff to come here. Thanks, Greg. Hey, before we go, don't hit the stop button. Understand something. If you're listening to this on Thanksgiving and you're sitting around and you're eating, you can bet on the game tonight between the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints. There's also the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. All of the games in college and pro football You can bet right now at BetDSI.com. It's a great time to get involved. Don't forget the bowl games are coming up in a couple of weeks. They're always super exciting, not to mention all of the NBA and college basketball. I mean, how many games can you possibly bet? Just go to BetDSI.com right now and add money to your account. And if you enter the promo code SWINGS101, they're going to match your deposit up to $2,500. You have to enter the promo code SWINGS101. You got college football. You have the NFL, the NBA, college basketball. There's even proposition wagers on Major League Baseball. Where will Bryce Harper end up? Where will Manny Machado end up? You can wager on those two. It's all over at BetDSI.com. We've got college football Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. NFL on Sunday. NFL on Monday. The NFL season and the college football season are getting to the best time of the year. And if you're going to bet, and you do, do it over at betdsi.com.